Good morning. This is Chickie Fitzgerald, and I am coming to you from sunny Tampa, Florida. In fact, I'm hoping it's sunny. I'm actually not looking out a window this morning. It is Friday, June 12, 2015, and we have for you today a book about sales and marketing. And the title of the book is 8020 Sales and Marketing, and we all know the 8020 rule, so I cannot wait to hear what our guest has to say about that. His subtitle of the book is The Definitive Guide to Working Less and Making More, and I am all for that. Perry, welcome to the show. Our guest is Perry Marshall. It is great to be here, and it's an honor to be here, and you know, considering all the different people that you can have on the show, I'm thankful that you got me today. So, um, <laughs> Well, so I, I I'm sure... I'm sure my executive producer told you that this is a show typically by women and for women, so we don't have a lot of male guests, so you should feel truly honored. I I am honored, um, <laughs> and, you know, long live the women. Uh, yes, ye- yesterday, uh, if, last night about midnight, me and my boys were talking about uh, what is the definition of a feminist. Um, so, oh, how funny. Uh, yeah, um, so I'm I'm really delighted to be here. Well, great. Well, we do have lots of different kinds of listeners, and you know, I think most of you who are listening know that our audience is primarily executives who are charged with business growth. And uh, a lot of times we are talking about innovation and leadership, and all of that really gets down to moving the needle uh, financially. And and so talking about working less and making more, I'll tell you what, I'm in the middle of a startup, and we are launching our first uh, pilot client on Monday. And right. so, you know, working less has not been a part of my equation, but hopefully on Monday making more will be. Yes. So before we dive into the book, Perry, I you know, I would love to hear more about you and I, I know that your foreword was written by Richard uh Koch. Is it Koch or Koch? It's Kosh. Kosh. Okay. Yes. Well great. I'm glad I asked then, because uh, I knew I would butcher that. Uh but tell us a little bit about uh you first and then how you met him and why you chose him to write the foreword in the book and well, then we'll dive into the book. Well I, I am an engineer who went into sales. Um, and when I was an engineer, um, my wife was pregnant with our first child, and we wanted her to be able to stay home, which meant I had to bring up, uh, home the bacon. And uh, and then I got laid off um, about oh. you know with baby coming in six months and scrambling around, and I end up taking a sales job, um, and and that ended up being two years of bologna sandwiches and ramen soup. Oh, wow. Um, and, and sales was much harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, I was a little yeah, cocky a going huge, into it. Huge shift from being an engineer to being yes. in sales. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, it was. And, um, and I really floundered and struggled for a while. Things, um, to, to make a long story really short, Things finally started turning around when I discovered direct marketing because direct marketing direct marketers um look at sales like it's an engineering problem. It all originates with scientific advertising by Claude Hopkins written in nineteen eighteen the the man who invented the coupon really yes and and i um I discovered that like even just studying copywriters. The copywriters explained to me how to sell better than any of the sales gurus did because I realized that when I got in front of a customer, it needed to be just like a sales letter. There needed to be a headline, an opening paragraph, lots of proof, lots of agitating the emotions and everything, and then I had to make a big promise at the end and and a call to action of like I could sort of mentally – to like go from the top of a sales letter to the bottom in my head while I was talking to a customer, it actually started to work. <laughs> you know what, Perry? I have done over 400 interviews on this show, and this is the first time I've been truly surprised because what you're saying is so logical. And, of course, from an engineer who would expect anything different. But you know what? I w- this morning I was just agonizing over the press release right, that I'm putting out on, on Monday yeah. uh, about launching this new product. And it was just like five minutes before 
uh, we got on the show that I realized that I didn't have a call to action at the end. And I thought, how stupid is that? You know, and I've got written right on front of me, the desired goal is to get people to sign up for our pilot program. Right? And I wasn't doing the ask. And, you know, you have just said something so logical, and I love hearing that history. Who would have thought that, you know, before the age of anything electronic, that somebody would have had that sales methodology already nailed? Well, <laughs> so that, yes, that was it, fun. And, and, and this was actually a real key to, to, to me um, then engaging with the Internet as it started to come along because mm-hmm. I, you know, I was – right in the late 90s was when when it was all kind of starting to happen for me and i understood that the internet was a direct response medium and so like when i started studying google adwords i was like oh my goodness this is this is the classical stuff from you know 100 years ago except right. it's 10,000 times faster now Exactly, and you started. Well, you actually started writing books uh, about this topic back in in the early 2000 time frame. And yeah. it's funny, Patty, uh, our our executive producer was telling me that you had written a book about uh, you know pay per click advertising and AdWords. And I said, well, I hope it was written on an etch a sketch because <laughs> you know the topic uh, and because Google keeps you know moving the the needle on on many things and moving the goalpost so that you don't exactly even know where you're going toward. Um, but it's fascinating to me that, that you have done uh, the study of that, and I didn't know that you were an engineer, so now it all fits into place. Well, you know, Chicky, um, when, when, when I've written my Google books, and we're, we're in the fourth edition now, we are very, very diligent to try to focus on teaching the principle and right. not the software menu. Right. And for that reason, the books last, they have a shelf life of a couple of years at least mm-hmm. um, without going obsolete. And, and, and that's really important to me. Like AdWords for me was the best place for a person to master the basics of response-based marketing. Okay, right. they see it, they click on it, then what happens next? What happens next? So... So yeah, you you asked about Richard Koch, and Richard wrote a very um, famous book called The 80-20 Principle about 15 years ago, and um, I read it, um, and it set my mind on fire. Oh my goodness. Um, And the reason is, is I I knew what 80-20 was, but it turned out that I really didn't understand it at all. And Richard made this comment, um, which set me like, knocked me over a cliff. And, and the, the essence of it was that inside every 8020 is another 8020. Mm, okay. That's, that's like it, looking in a mirror that has a mirror behind it, right? Yes, exactly. And so you have that infinite series of mirrors. That is actually how 80-20 works. And so 80-20 says, you know, 80, 80% of your effort comes from 20% of what you do. But if you if you just look at the 20%, it's still true that 20% of the 20% produces 80% of the 80%. Right. I and think then I've 20- got. I think I've got my head wrapped around that. So that if you if you do those numbers, sixty four percent comes from four percent, and then if you do it again, fifty percent comes from one percent, and you keep wow. you can keep slicing it smaller and smaller. This is why the top. You know, the 10 richest people on the Forbes 400 list mm-hmm. are worth more than the bottom 10 countries in the whole world. <laughs> right, right. Okay? That this is a law of nature. It's not just a business rule of thumb for looking in the rearview mirror it's actually it is so reliable that you can use it to predict 
what is going to happen next. Hmm. Okay, and and you can use it to find all kinds of holes in a business. So let me give you an example of this. Um, there's a chapter in the book that I call the the principle of the $2,500 espresso machine. <laughs> okay. okay, and if if you go to Starbucks, um, you know, and some people are ordering a dollar seventy coffee the day, and some people are buying a four dollar latte, and you'll also see they've got a twenty five hundred dollar espresso machine sitting there. Right. Well, the eighty twenty principle will actually tell you how many of those they will sell. Because if you work 80-20, it says that 20% of the people will spend four times the money. (laughs) Right. And 20% of them will spend four times the money. And 20% of them will spend four times the money. So that means for every 1,000 people who buy a cup of coffee – one will spend 2500 bucks they have 2500 bucks it's burning a hole in their wallet they are a coffee addict or they have the itch that day and the money wants to leap out of their wallet and into the cash register in exchange for something that's worth 2500 bucks <laughs> and it okay. will happen and the 80-20 rule will actually tell you how many of those machines you're going to sell. And if you work the numbers, they probably um, their their espresso machine business is probably about a third the size of their coffee business, even though nobody probably really pays attention to it. And if it wasn't there, it would wreck the economics of every store. Hmm, interesting. And so this is a really huge thing for startups because, so let's say you do like the most basic internet marketing thing in the world, which is you have like a $100 product and you go buy some traffic and you send it to the web page and you sell 100 units and you got $10,000 of revenue. What that means is, one fourth of those pe- one fifth of those people will spend four hundred dollars if if offered a more valuable product, and one fifth of those people spend sixteen hundred dollars if offered a more valuable product. Right. And it's like as predictable as gravity. It's scary how accurate this is. You know, it's so amazing because yesterday uh, we were mapping out what our product pricing was going to be on our new product, not the one that's coming out uh, on Monday as the pilot. But, um, you know, we were trying to decide whether to have two or three levels. Mm. And if what you're saying is true, then we should definitely have the third level because people will buy that because it does have infinitely more value to them. Yes. And and so – also notice that you don't need any extra new customers to do it. Mm-hmm. The money will come from the existing customers, and most companies are not getting anywhere near what they could out of their existing customer base. Very interesting. Now, you start the book, and obviously giving the background of the 80-20 principle and uh, then you move on. You've got a very, very interesting chap- chapter title called Rack the Shotgun. So tell us what's behind that. I wouldn't expect, especially knowing you're an engineer now, the shotgun part of this really uh, really amazes me. So so, so my, um, my dear friend John Paul Mendocha, when he was 17 and he was a senior in high school in Denver, dropped out of high school, hitchhiked to Las Vegas, and became a professional gambler. (laughs) And 
after several weeks of being a 17-year-old in Vegas uh, playing poker for a living, he was like, dang, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and I at 17, need... he got, got away with it, obviously. Yeah, he did. He did. And, and um, I got to find myself a mentor. So he goes looking, and he finds this guy who runs a professional gambling ring. And yeah, John, for a percentage of your take, I'll I'll bring you on board and I'll teach you what we do. Okay. So they shake on it. Jump in the Jeep, John. We're going for a ride. So they get in the Jeep. They're going down the highway. And John goes, okay, Rob, how do I win more poker games? And Rob goes, you, you win more poker games by taking on players who are going to lose. And those people are called marks. You need to play cards with the marks. You don't want the guy who's like also a professional gambler. You want the guy who just got off a plane from Wichita with the inheritance money that he got from his grandmother who's just sure that he's going to get rich in Vegas. That's your guy. He goes, okay, and how do I find that guy? And he goes, here, I'll show you pulls into a parking lot, and takes him into a strip club. They're in the strip club. There's naked women. There's there's rock and roll. There's people drinking, you know, and it's pounding music and everything. And Rob pulls a sawed-off shotgun out of his jacket, and he holds it under the table, and he opens the chamber up, and then he closes it real fast, so it goes Right. And several guys like look around like, what was that? <laughs> and the owner comes over and he's like, everything okay here, guys? Like, just teaching the lad a lesson. Everything's fine. Don't worry about us. Teaching the lad a lesson. And then he says to John, John, did you notice those biker guys that turned around when I made that noise? He's like, yeah. And he goes, don't play poker with them. They're not marks. <laughs> now, that right there, I we call that racking the shotgun. That is what you do in marketing. That is what marketing is. It is racking the shotgun. Who turned around and who ignored it? And who do you eliminate and who do you keep? Interesting. That is what we do. And so maybe you want biker guys to sell bikes to. Then you sell to the guys that turned around. Maybe right. you want to do poker games. You, you play to the blokes that didn't. But marketing is not a convincing people process. It is a elimination and disqualification process. Mm. And most people have it completely backwards. They right. wake up in the morning, they open their eyes, they look at the ceiling, they go, I got to go convince some people today. And what an 80-20 marketer says is, I got to eliminate some people today. Very, very interesting. You know, I, I had an interview, actually, I've interviewed them several times. There's a book called Go for No, and and they're living the principle that you're talking about because they say that you've got to get no's until the yes emerges, right? Yeah. Now, they're looking at it slightly different. But you know, I'm also very interested in Chapter 4 because here you're talking about traffic and where you go to get customers. And obviously, if those two gentlemen, rather than trying to figure out you know, who who was going to react to the shotgun were going to sell Bibles like they're in the wrong place, right? Now, maybe the people in there need Bibles, but, you know, not exactly the best place to set up shop. Correct. So, you know, in, in my new product, we have a, a, a little piece of technology, a widget, if you will, that goes on people's websites to help people plan travel to that location, right? So a mm. visit us page. And and so for me, you know, as I take a look at who to eliminate, you know, using your methodology, I, you know, I don't want to go put that on a restaurant website because people don't generally need a hotel, right. you know, when they 
go to a restaurant. Although last night, you know, my husband and I might have have stayed at a hotel, you know, after having a bottle of wine with dinner, right? Mm-hmm. But but really, the kinds of people that we want to go to get customers for our product are people who who have people coming overnight to stay with them, right? So whether it's a company having people come to visit them from out of town, or you know, I'm sitting here right next to the Laser Spine Institute. I'm uh, assuming that people, you know, fly in to have that done. So, you know, I know where to go to get my customers. I, I'm not sure that I know yet, although I'm sure I will by the end of this call, how to eliminate <laughs> those who I thought were going to be my customers and, and figuring out who it is. So you talk about the yin and the yang of media and traffic expertise, and I am dying to hear about this. Okay, so so the yin is that uh, that there – there are, you know, many sources of traffic and, um, you know, there's all these things that you can do. Um, the yang is you can really only um, realistically master a very few of them. And if you're new, you should really only try to master one. And... Um, and if you get really good at one form of traffic, you'll never go hungry. Um, you know, I've been telling people now for how long, like 12 years or something, um, AdWords Tiger Starve Last in the Jungle. Like if you're really good at Google AdWords, you will never be without work. Right. Uh, I've had customers who went bankrupt and they went and started doing AdWords management because somebody will write them a check to do it because it's hard and you know. And, right. 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 And, and, and especially in my industry, because in the travel industry, even the people who are the absolute tigers at at keyword um, purchasing, um, I have for the last three years run a website for an investor, and they were spending a million dollars a month with Google. And, you know, at best, even being super good at it and buying them at the right cost, we, they were still only able to convert 2%, right. which uh, I'm not sure how that works into your 80-20 curve. But, um, you know, they, they still made a lot of money because they knew what, what they had to make on each uh, mm-hmm. transaction. So, mm-hmm. you know, the multiplier for them came from the value of the product that they were selling. If they had been selling a $5 product rather than a you know $250 hotel room, uh, it might have turned out differently. So, so talk to us about that. Well, so, you know, the 2% just tells you that even when you've optimized everything to the hilt, that only a small percentage of, of people uh, generate your sales. And like, so like for them, 100% of their sales comes from 2% of the traffic. Right. Well, that's 80-20. And that's actually how the world is. And people do not realize how unequal the world is. So when I do um, seminars, I did an Entrepreneur Magazine seminar a few months ago. Barbara Corcoran was there, and you know, and I, I was speaking, and and uh, and I do I did this exercise. Okay, if you own shoes, stand up. So everybody stands up. If you own more than five pair of shoes, uh, stay standing. Otherwise, sit down. And then people start sitting down. Ten shoes, uh, 20 pair of shoes, 40 pair of shoes. And, and I kept doubling it. 80, 160, 320, 640. No way. Yes. Okay. And was Barbara Corkin? Actually, she was. She had just finished speaking, and I don't think she was there. But I got up to 640, and I still had a person standing up. And I asked her how many shoes she has, and she said 800. Now I have had this happen multiple times, but and and what happens is every time I double the number half the people sit down. That's what happens. So mm-hmm. half, 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 and then we're down to one. We got 800 shoes. Almost everything is like that. It's true of domain names. 
It's true of how much real estate people own. It's true of of like how many acres of property they own, all kinds of stuff like that. And 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 so there is always a very tiny number of people that consume a huge amount of stuff, and that is the principle of the hyper-responsive customer. And most people design their business around the average customer, whereas if you design your business, if you're in the shoe business and you design your business for the lady who buys 800 pair of shoes, so if you want to sell 200 more shoes, it, it may be easier to sell them to that one lady than it is to sell it to the other 200 people sitting there in the room. Right. So it's hugely unequal. And so what you're looking for in every aspect of sales and marketing is what is the tiny little thing that generates almost all of the action because it's always there. And people are conditioned to not see this in school. School teaches people everything's equal, everything's equally important. You are equally penalized for every wrong answer on the test. You're supposed to be equally proficient at science and history and English and math. And actually, in your real life, that is never how it's going to work. They're going to like you for like three reasons, and the other 30 don't matter. That is how your your life is actually going to work. Amazing, amazing. So so tell us, um, as you were writing this book, was there anything that surprised you in the research that you did and the people that you talked to? Well, um the the most, maybe the most gratifying thing was you know I wasn't really sure can I make this 80 20 thing stick with people the way that I did with Google AdWords I was like can I be can I be the 80 20 guy instead of just being the Google AdWords guy <laughs> and um you know I don't know if this is going to work what I did know is if I could pull it off it's like 8020 is going to be around long after Google has like gone out of business exactly right and 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 the most gratifying thing was was I've had all these people and now it's thousands of people they're like oh my goodness I get it I see this oh I never saw this before I never realized that this is everywhere and now I see I see 8020 when I look out the window I see 8020 when I look at my house I see okay. 80, and it's like yes they get it because if you can at will put on your 8020 glasses and see the inequalities you instantly know where to go to fix a problem. You will never, like if you're a consultant, you'll never run out of problems to go solve for people. And the, and they will sometimes be amazed, like, how did you see that? You're like, I knew I was going to see something like that before I ever walked in the door. It was just right. going to be a question of what it was going to be. But I know it's there. I guarantee it's there. It's like a law of physics that it's there. And that's that's just really exciting. I I and so I, yeah, I get a bunch of eighty twenty addicts, and they're all like buzzing <laughs> and excited about it. Very cool. So you you also talk about the power triangle. What is that? Yeah. So everything that you ever need to know in marketing, you can draw in a little triangle with one triangle inside. So so. Picture a triangle and the middle, the, t- the top is in the middle, and then the left and the right sides are on the bottom. Say, and that, so that's a triangle. Then I'm going to put an upside-down triangle in the middle. So i got four triangles, and everything you need to know is in this triangle, and here's what's in it. On the lower left is a T for traffic. On the upper center, C for conversion. On the lower right, E for economics. T-C-E, Traffic Conversion Economics. And then in the middle is an 80-20. And uh, here's what it means. You buy traffic, and traffic is getting in front of the right people. And then you say something that's going to convince them to buy. That's conversion. And then you, you 
You give them their product and you get their money. That's economics. Right. Traffic conversion economics. Find the people, say the right thing to the people, collect the money from the people. Then you take your money, you buy more traffic, and you start it all over again, and it goes around in a circle. And as you go around in the circle, your business grows. Amazing. Every, every time you are stuck in a marketing problem, it is either traffic or conversion or economics that needs to get fixed next. Which one's the bottleneck right now? Right. Wake up in the morning, is it going to be the T, the C, or the E? 80-20 is in the middle because there are 80-20s in every one of these things. There's 20% of the traffic produces 80% of the money. There is 20% of what you say generates 80% of the response. And there is the fact that 80% of the money comes from 20% of the customers when the cash register actually rings. Right. There you go. That's sure, the whole you know, that's the whole shooting and- match. The simplicity is is just mind-boggling, truly, because we should know that, and, and it should be just immediately apparent. But but we still need the guidelines of, you know, how do we get there? So the, the next chapter in your book says, okay, now that you've racked the shotgun, how do you make a move? You know, and, and, and to your point earlier, how do you disqualify people? If, if disqualification is really what we're after, rather than getting somebody to buy from us, what are those five disqualifiers that we should focus on? Okay, so, so John Mendocha, my, my friend who went to Vegas, he came up with this, and, um, and I think it's brilliant. These are the five things that all sales always have in common. And here's what they are. Number one. Do they have a bleeding neck? People spend money when they have an urgent problem. If they don't have an urgent problem, they're not spending the money. Right. Okay? Number two, do they have the money? If they don't have the money, they are not buying. It doesn't matter how much their neck is bleeding. doesn't matter anything else. <laughs> do they have the money? Right. And I shot myself in the foot with a sawed-off shotgun for years in my sales career thinking, I don't know why I thought this, but I just, you know, I'm selling to all these people that don't have the money and somehow thinking that by some magical power that they're going to buy, and they're not. Bologna sandwiches and ramen soup, (laughs) Right? right? Okay. Number three, they buy into your unique selling proposition. Right. Number four, they have the ability to say yes. That's the other thing I made a mistake. Selling to people who could say no but couldn't say yes. <laughs> right. The gatekeeper, exactly. right? The engineer at the bottom of the totem pole, and now we're once I convince him, then I'm going to have to go up three levels, and then I'm going right, to have to go right, two more right. levels. Right? Okay, and finally, fits in their overall plans. Now, okay, so bleeding neck, have the money, USP, ability to say yes, overall plans, those five things. Now, uh-huh. what, so what an 80-20 salesperson or marketer does is they immediately start going down the list and eliminating people that don't have the bleeding neck. I'll give you an example of, of how I do this. I have a I have a quiz called isfbforme.com, which stands for is Facebook for me, because we have a Facebook advertising book too. Right. And it scores people from one to ten. It takes sixty seconds. You don't even have to enter your email, and you click some boxes and you pr- press enter, and it goes, oh, you're a six point eight on a scale of one to ten. Oh, yeah. Well, then that probably means you should do Facebook advertising. If you got a 3.4, you shouldn't. So what we do is before anybody gives us any money or even buys our book, we say go take this quiz. And if you got more than a 6, then you should probably buy the book and get into this. And if you didn't, you shouldn't. Now, 
the reason we did this, we did this when Facebook was a lot newer, and at the time, probably only 10% of businesses could actually get the thing to work. And I did not want people to think that this is going to work when it actually didn't have a prayer. Right. And so I made this thing. But actually, this is a really good way to sell. Because when people can see that you are pushing most people away from you before they even get started, and then you're pushing them away again, like, well, what's your budget? You know, and if it's not over a certain amount, you're like, well, you know, go do whatever, but I, I, I don't think we can help you. When people see you pushing people away, by the time you're getting to the right ones, you have earned tremendous authority to say, you are perfect for this. Right. That is a very powerful way to sell. And it's a great way to have six appointments instead of 37. Interesting. Well, you know, as I was going through your list, and, and I was actually writing them down because, as I said, I'm I'm in this active launch of a new product, Um you know, and if you think about travel, right, and who who actually needs to travel, the travel industry only sells to you if they think you're going on vacation or you're you're going on a business trip. If you look, absolutely everything from a hotel site to an airline site to an online travel site, uh, even to a travel agency, you know, that's the assumption when you walk in the door. And further, um, they really only sell to you if they think you're flying, because for some reason they think and uh, the percentage isn't quite 80-20. It's actually 89% and 11% who who drive versus fly. Um, but what we decided with our product is that the, the bleeding neck in our world are all the people that the travel industry has forgotten. So the urgent mm. problem is I just found out somebody died, right? And, I mean, quite literally. So our first client going live on Monday is a funeral home software company that mm. powers 2,300 funeral homes with 24,000 funerals a month. Wow. And now we have trip-enabled the obituary, right? Oh. So. Yeah, so they've got an urgent problem. They, you know, their friend, their brother, their whatever died. Um, You know, do they have money is do they stay in a two-star hotel rather than a four-star hotel? Yeah, right. right. Or do they decide to drive because they can't afford a last-minute airline ticket? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, our unique selling proposition is that you can plan your travel uh, around where the funeral is going to be, and you don't even have to know the area, right? So we do all the work for them. And the yes or no question is really an interesting one because you would think, well, travel, you know, whoever's looking obviously has the right to say yes. But you think about it. You hear that a friend or a colleague or a relative has died. The first thing you do is wait until you get home and talk to your spouse and say, should yeah. we all go together? And so the person looking actually isn't buying the first time in, mm. right? And they may have the ability to say yes or no, but they do have to check with somebody else first And because it's either going to be just me or we're all going to go as a family or it's just going to be my husband and I, right? Yeah. And and whether it fits in their plans is the whole thing of are they traveling at all or not. So I am very encouraged because I just fit the the, uh, the five uh, ways to, to uh, rule out those people who aren't going to go. Yes. Well, and so that's a that's a really good sanity check on your whole thing, which oh, completely ought to make you feel dynamite. It does, and I didn't even expect that out of this interview today. <laughs> All right, well, so give me I, validation. There we go. So you know, moving on from that, and and so you've talked about the unique selling proposition, and. Um, you know, then you talk about uh, expanding into other media, right? So, so maybe someone has has actually either found someone who's really good at AdWords, or they've become really good at that, and they're driving uh, all this traffic from Google, and they're thinking, hmm, wonder if I can do the same thing with with uh, you know the Yahoo and and Microsoft ad network. And we found out something very interesting, and I'm sure you know the same thing, is that while the number of people using the other network is much smaller, they actually uh, convert better uh, than than Google. So uh, at least in the travel world, they do. So how do you take 
this winning formula if, if you have mastered uh, Google AdWords, and how do you expand into other media and, and you know, replicate your success? So this is, um, this is also kind of one of these yin and yang things that um, what, what I've taught for years is that you go, you go where the competition is thickest and you make, you build a sales machine that competes in, in the thickest fight. Now that doesn't mean you start in the thickest, but your goal is to get there as fast as you can. And this is very 80-20 because, you know, like, so let's just stick with Google AdWords um, for this for a second. So, so if you have an offer um, and you get Google AdWords to work and you get it to convert, and it's like your travel company that you talked about that gets the 2% and, they, and they're profitable with it, that almost certainly means that that you have you have um, set the standard of having a great sales machine and a great sales funnel, and probably all of the other sources of traffic that you go to will have a decent chance of working, and you can quickly expand into all of these other places. So you add Yahoo Bing, you add banner ads, you add you know, all these article sites or whatever, and then you just hook your sales machine to those things and it starts working. And this enables you to rapidly expand. He who has the best sales machine wins. Right. And that's that's how you do it. It's it's much easier when you do it that way. Well, and and as you have pointed out, the numbers might not be the same because Google does have, you know, significant yep. share, but the the methodology and and how you have approached it should be scalable uh, right. you know, to that to that other platform. Right. So, so once you have done all that, right, and and uh, you're you're ready to you know kind of go the next level, you talked about making more from every customer, and uh, you know would love to know more about that because not everybody has Starbucks kind of opportunity of you know how many times a day can I sell you something, right? right? Um, you know, for me. People only need to travel when they need to travel, and because I'm not selling them aspirational travel uh, for the most part, um, you know, I really can't get them multiple times even in a week, right? And I'm not selling business travel. Um, so, so how do you know if you can make more from a particular customer, and and how do you do that multiplier? Well, so I'm always looking at well, so what else does this person buy, or what? What tribe do they belong to where I can go, oh, you know, this tribe does these other things. Right. And I just, I just think that most businesses don't think very far through the customer experience of all the other things they might want to do or buy or, you know, all the other vendors that they could bring a customer to on a right. silver platter and you know you know it's like you know you need to pick the chicken clean um and 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 really it's your it's your ability to do that that ultimately determines whether you're going to prevail or if you're just going to be another one of you know one of these people out there um and it'd probably be worthwhile to mention, you know, uh, Richard Koch wrote the foreword for this thing. And, you know, 10 years after I uh, read his book, We Became Friends. Mm -hmm. And Richard is a really um, unusual and interesting guy. He's worth a quarter of a billion dollars. Um, he, he lives in Portugal. And um, and he's grown his wealth from starting out 28 years ago with 
four million dollars uh, from selling a company, and before that, he was just a consultant. Okay, so he's literally gone from zero to a quarter of a billion in less than 30 years. And Richard has something uh, that he calls the Star Principle. And he has a book by that title, and he and I put together a website called starprinciple.com. And it's kind of a 80-20 a of which businesses are going to grow and which ones are going to stagnate. And Star Principle is his criteria for picking equity investments. Mm -hmm. And it's also a great criteria for deciding about your startup. In the, if you go to starprinciple.com, you can take a little quiz. It's like the little is Facebook for me quiz, and it'll give you a score. Right. But Star Principle comes down to essentially two things. Richard will only invest in a company that is number one in their niche, and he will only invest in a niche that is growing 10% a year or more. Makes sense. Now, as simple as that is, that is one of the most powerful business formulas. Each of those is basically an 80-20. Like only 20% 20 of the niches are growing, you know, and only 20% of the sizable companies are actually the number one player. So you're getting mm -hmm. down to less than 5%. But those are the 5% that you focus on. And what we've started doing is applying that to every product, every niche that we serve, every group of customers, and then we start trimming stuff. You go, you know what? This little part of our business, it's not a star. Right. Get rid of it. This little part of our business, not a star. Get rid of it. And so I, I know I'm kind of probably taking you a little bit of a different direction than, than, than you were asking me, but really it's, it exactly applies because as our businesses grow, you know, like we finally get some traction and then we start figuring out like what we just talked about, like, oh, yeah, they'll buy this, they'll buy this. But what happens is the whole thing starts to get unwieldy. Right. And it, and, and it starts pulling you in all these different directions, and you really need to start looking at what do I prune. The way you grow a company is you prune stuff. Mm -hmm. Very counterintuitive. Right. And very right. hard for creative people who love their little babies. Oh, I, love my, <laughs> I love my ideas. I love them. <laughs> Oh, that that is so funny because yesterday I was talking to uh, the guy who who heads up my product group, and uh, you know I was saying that it felt very much like a birth, right? We were we were trying to get this product launched yesterday because our client doesn't launch anything on Fridays, so yesterday was like the day, and um, we have had Mexican developers working on the product and Russian developers, uh, you know, kind of doing the, the tweaking and scalability and everything. And and so I had had just a very, very frustrating afternoon. And so finally he just sent me a text saying, little, little Manuel Boris is going to be fine. <laughs> and he said, you just need to let the doctors do their thing. And I'm like, yeah, but, the you know, yes, the baby has been birthed, but it's not doing that big cry yet. Right? So you're right. You know, we, we do treat our products um, – and our services like babies, <laughs> and, yeah. and we do need to get past that. I want to touch on one other thing, and I know we're coming coming up on a, uh, the end of the hour here very soon. Um, you have one chapter that I absolutely love, and, and my best friend said to me uh, years ago, do you want to be selling pencils or airplanes? And in many cases, it takes just as much to sell pencils as it does an airplane. And you've got a chapter called, do you want to make $10 an hour, $100, $1,000? thousand or ten thousand dollars mm. and you know i i have made the choice to make more than ten thousand dollars an hour right and i have found a way that i can make money while i sleep with this new business and you know am, am absolutely believing and especially now that i am even better equipped than i was an hour ago <laughs> um that i am going to be uh, achieving my goal so 
tell me, is this a mental thing that people just put themselves in the $10 per hour box? Can they just decide to move to the $10,000 an hour box, or what is it? Well, so it's really a matter of, of seeing what's right under your nose. So so 80-20 actually applies to just about everything. It is. I mean, it's spooky freaking everywhere. <laughs> Okay, it's in your spreadsheets, it's in your it's in your product deter- returns, it's in the the facts, it's in the, you know, blah 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 all over. Okay, well, it's also your time. Okay? If we okay, so say we've got a a receptionist and she makes $15 an hour and you know, and some some afternoons she's filing her nails for seven minutes, and there's no phone calls and 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 whatever. Even that receptionist on a typical day is earning a thousand dollars an hour for at least a minute or two. And then there's other parts of her day that are almost worthless. Okay, and you're like, mm-hmm. what What do you mean? Like well, if if a let's say let's say they're at a dentist office, and the phone rings, and somebody needs like uh, um, you know like uh, massive what do they call it when they kind of like replace all your teeth? Um, right. Like uh, cosmetic dental cosmetic surgery. Okay. Right. Like one of those cases could be twenty five thousand dollars. Right. You realize that it's scary how often, like, the call just goes to voicemail or the person gets put on hold or whatever. And you understand that most phone calls aren't worth $25,000, but a few of them are. And what 8020 says is you need to figure out how do you figure out as fast as humanly possible whether it's one of those phone calls, so that you never drop any eggs out of the basket. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, like, that person, if you devise the right process, you could have somebody working 15 minutes a day and be worth more money than somebody that works all day. Right. Okay, and this is true of everybody. And most, so when I say 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000, one of the things that people don't realize is that the inequality in the world is like one is not equal to two, is not equal to three, is not equal to four. It's more like 10 is not equal to 100, which is not equal to 1,000. It's exponential, okay? So most of us are we spend most of our day doing $10 an hour jobs. Right. Okay. And then there's a little bit of time. We do $100 an hour jobs or maybe several hours. Okay. If you're like a good professional person, you can spend several hours of your day and you're, you're worth $100 an hour and you earn a decent living. And then there's these little occasional spurts of $1,000 an hour work you did a little bit of this, and that was brilliant, and you had this negotiation, or you know, so you'll have these very short periods of time where there's huge leverage. Like if if you're negotiating a hundred thousand dollar deal and it's plus or minus ten thousand dollars, then you know one word can swing you ten thousand dollars. And choosing the right word, it's like you know, if it took you an extra five minutes to write that paragraph a little differently, then you're making like $60,000 an hour. Right, right. Okay? But you never do this unless you clearly see the spread between the ten and the 10000 Right, right. I mean, honestly, many of us earn $10,000 an hour for very short periods of time. And so this this puts an urgent need for delegating. Yes. There's lots of stuff we shouldn't be doing. I have a personal assistant. I actually have two personal assistants. I have my assistant and my assistant's assistant. Okay? (laughs) And they know their job is to do anything I don't want to do. My assistant's assistant 
um, changes the oil in my car, changes the furnace filters. Like, does right. all these, like, I shouldn't be doing this. Most right, of us unproductive things. dream of mowing our own lawn. So that's what that chapter is about. And I, I want to say that is right next to the rack the shotgun stuff. That is the chapter that, that people talk about because it's right. such a revelation. Like, oh, my goodness, I've been wasting all this time. Yeah. Oh, exactly, exactly. Well, Perry, there is so much that we can't possibly cover uh, in this interview. You know, people are just going to have to, uh, you know, get out of their car if that's where they're listening to this, uh, you know, go drive to a bookstore or, or you know, pick up your phone and go to Amazon.com and, and order the book. So the book, again, is 80-20 Sales and Marketing, The Definitive Guide to Working Less and Making More. The author is Perry Marshall. Perry, can you tell folks how they can best reach you and, and uh, find out uh, more about what you have to offer? Well, you know, um, if you go to sell8020.com, uh, S-E-L-L-8020.com, um, you'll get to my website. And we on my website, we sell the book for a penny plus shipping. Oh, cool. Um, which so, makes it so seven wait, bucks. Don't, don't drive to the bookstore. Go to Perry's, go to Perry's website. <laughs> now, I, I want to give you like a last little 8020 tidbit here. Um, uh, to, to close off the show. So we we actually were literally taping dollar bills to every book that goes out because we're we're buying them from the publisher and we're shipping them to you know to people for seven bucks. Right. And, okay. But there there's an eighty twenty lesson in this because this is this is very deliberate on our part. We are consciously and knowingly losing money on these books to acquire customers. And it works. And the reason why is 20% of the people buy more stuff. Right. It's actually 78.6% of the people don't and 21.4% of them do. So it's almost perfectly 80-20. And it's okay to lose money on a product 80% of the time if you know exactly what happens the other 20%. And so when you, when you buy this, you will actually see an 80-20 sales machine kick in, and it will adjust to you. If you click on everything, and if you go look at all the stuff, and if you read all the emails, you'll start getting more good stuff. And if you ignore it, it'll go down and it'll be less. And it automatically does that. And you can learn a lot by watching how you are sold to when you come to our site. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait. And I am definitely going to be applying these principles to my business. And so I will get back to you and let you know how it goes. That's fantastic. This has been a great show. You're a great interviewer. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, been doing it since uh, 2008 when we first launched the Executive Girlfriends Group, and uh, it has been great fun. Uh, you know, it's changed over the years. We used to have live folks call in uh, from our group, and you know, we ended up having to change the show to earlier in the day, so it didn't didn't fit well with them. But uh, I, I get so much out of it, and you know, it's it's like my my ongoing MBA. Every every week, I am yep. learning so so much. That is fabulous. Well, Perry, thank you so much for your time. It has been great fun. If I had known you were an engineer, I wouldn't have been nearly as excited about this show. But you are an amazing uh, character, and uh, what a great sense of humor, and uh, just an amazing storyteller. I think you know storytelling is probably the best method uh, of getting across any point, and if you try to deliver it dryly, uh, you know, with uh, mathematical precision, you know, it, yeah. it probably wouldn't come off as well. But uh, some someone has trained you well on breaking out of the the shell that typically surrounds engineers. It, it was an expensive education. <laughs> well, we all get those. I, I have got uh, right now. I'm I'm going on a million dollar uh, doctorate right now. Uh, 
uh, which which is uh, based on my last spectacular failure uh, of my first entrepreneurial venture. But this one's well, going to be different. That's the title of your next book, My it Million is, well, Dollar actually, Doctorate. Oh, hey, you know what? You are absolutely right. Actually, I've got a book uh, that is coming out called My Life as uh, as a Game Changer, and it is my first novel uh, that is being written as a a business. Um, allegorical novel, so hmm. storytelling uh, about my own life, but not really uh, in in the first person about about me specifically. So it's been great fun. But yes, that will be my next book. <laughs> wow, well, awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. It's great to be on this show. It's an honor, and uh, best of success with this new thing you just put together. Absolutely. Okay, Perry. Will you have a great weekend? And thanks again for joining us. Right on. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye.